Welcome to the Keep It Moving Podcast. From an aimless kid to a Navy veteran traveling the world, join Andy and his guest in discussing the before, the during, and the after of military life and more. Here's your host, Andy Lane. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Keep It Moving with Andy Lane podcast. Today, we have a special guest, good friend of mine. I've known each other for, I want to say, about 15 years. Kenny Wilson, thank you for coming to the show. My pleasure, sir. So why don't you give everybody a little bit of background about your military service, what you've done. Give me like a highlight reel. We'll go from there. I joined the Air Force when I was 18. And a quick kind of like backstory about how that happened was basically I was um, dating a girl. And after a few months, I got said girl pregnant. And I told my mom, I was like bawling because I'm an 18 year old child and I'm about to have a child. My mom looked at me dead in the face and she's like, well, uh, join the military because you're not living here with a kid and this girl. I said, okay. Yeah, that's savage. (laughs) (laughs) So my stepdad got home that afternoon and um, he's a retired army. He did 20 years in uh, army intelligence. Such a long time. Yeah. And he looked at me and he's in, and I grew up in San Diego. Like I literally grew up like 15 minutes away from 32nd Street. So growing up a lot, if not most of my friends' parents were in the Navy or the Marine Corps. This is a huge military town. So going into it, my stepdad was just like, well, if you ever want to see your family, don't join the Army and don't join the Navy and definitely don't join the Marine Corps. So you don't got a lot of options left. So it was uh, it was Air Force. And uh, I didn't even I never thought about Coast Guard. It's like. You never think of that as like a branch of the military. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so they just get overlooked. Which is crazy because they have like a pretty solid team going. Like, Dude, in hindsight, I would have joined the Coast Guard hands down. In fact, I even tried to cross train at one point in time, but I didn't meet the requirements because I had too many dependents at the time. I had a, a wife and two kids and they only let you cross train over if you had two dependents. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't know if it's still like that, but that's how it was in like 2005 or something. So basically I found out October 30th that this girl was pregnant and I went down on Halloween 2011. So this is literally a month after September 11th to the recruiter's office and- uh, 2001? I'm sorry, yeah, did I say 2011? Yeah. yeah. October 31st, 2001, I went down to the recruiter's office and I uh, I signed up for the Air Force. And, and again, this is right after 9-11. So all the recruiter's offices were packed. Like people were like jumping at the opportunity to join the military, whatever branch they can get. It was insane, dude. So I signed up on Halloween and then they, uh, I went down to Mets like a couple days later, took my ASVAB. There was like my time in the recruiter's office was literally maybe like an hour, like the actual recruiter's office. Really? Because I didn't really have any questions. I didn't tell them I was like, I was afraid to tell them any information like, oh, I just got my girlfriend pregnant or anything like that. Cause I was afraid that may disqualify me, you know, not realizing that they take everybody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Especially then. Right. So, um, I was like, yeah, I just want to join blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I had it high school diploma. I was in community college at the time and they're like, cool, we'll take you. So literally signed some information, uh, went down to MEPS a couple days later, took the ASVAB, no, no sort of ASVAB prep or anything like that. Uh, got my score back, sat down with somebody at MEPS, went over job, like possible job openings. But at the time there was like nothing like I had, you go in with this like idea of what well, I want to work in this. I want to, so I'm like, oh, I want to work with computers. I want to be like, n- like networking or something along those lines. Right. Right. None of that existed. So the recruiter, of course, you know, he's doing the the recruiter thing. And he's like, well, if you want to work on computers, like what you can do is you can take this open electronics field. And when you get to basic, there will be more job opportunities that you can choose from there. So hopefully your the job that you want will be in there. Well, open electronics has absolutely nothing to do with computers at all. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely not a thing that happened. So basically, I got to basic training and it was like, I think I had like three choices and it was like E&E which is electronics and our electro environmental system specialist on aircraft, which is what I ended up doing. Okay. And I want to say like aviation, which I wish I would have done because it's almost the exact same job, except they only deal with the aviation package and they get a better bonus. Oh, shocking. Yeah. And I can't remember what the third job was, but it was like, I definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I picked my job and they're like, okay, come back on uh, January. What was it? January 4th. And you'll ship out. So I, um, given that I lived in San Diego and I, okay. So like a couple of weeks later I got married Okay. and I, given that I was living in San Diego. So when it came time to ship out to MEPS, like 
to be at MEPS at this date at this time. I didn't go to the hotel like most people do the night before because I lived 30 minutes away. So I'm like, I'll just drive there in the morning time instead of going to the hotel. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. Right. And um, literally walked, uh, you know, got out of the car in the parking lot, hugged my wife goodbye and was like, goodbye and walked inside and off to basic training I went. So so they basically did to you what they do to like undesignated seamen or airmen that come into the Navy. They're like, hey, you can pick any job you want once you get to the fleet. Like you just try them all. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get there and you're like, this is not what I signed up for. Why am I here? 100%. When I said, so, okay, so you get to basic training, you go through a few weeks at basic and then they pull you aside after you've been there a few weeks and they they pull you in and they allow you to sit down and look at this book at the available job openings. And it's just like a list. And then you have to like cross-reference that with a different book that actually gives you like a job description. But again, there's nobody there that can like, that's worked in that field that can like talk you through it or like, this is what you're going to do. Or, you know what I mean? Like they don't give you any like actual information or like a ability to really research the job so kind of winging it and i literally i remember looking at the book and like having this like sort of disappointment because there's nothing that i really wanted to do in there and i'm like but i have to pick something right and i just remember thinking like this is everything i've ever heard about the military all coming to fruition right now like week three of basic training and i'm like cool i know how the next four years of my life is going to be so yeah that was that um i don't even remember how i picked the job like i, I literally i remember sitting a uh, graduating basic and going Going to tech school. And when I got there, because again, the military was so over flooded with people trying to join that I sat on hold for like, I want to say like three weeks before I could even start school. And I remember people like talking to them and they're like, yeah, so what job are you going to be? And I'm like, e and they're like, what's that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have like, I have no idea. I guess I'll find out when you do. <laughs> they picked similar jobs. They're like, yeah, uh, not sure what I'm doing, but uh, yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Damn. That's wild. Uh, where were you stationed? First duty station, well, only duty station because I got out before I, I got orders or right after I got orders, but it was in um, Luke Air Force Base in uh, Glendale, Arizona. So just outside of Phoenix in Maricopa County. Gotcha. That explains the Arizona connection. So when we had met, I'm not sure how the conversation got brought up, but Arizona got brought up often. And then, you know, Sean lives there. And I assume that's how you met Sean. Yeah. So when I was living in Arizona at that age, I was super into like raves and DJing and whatnot. And I got involved in the um, like the DJ rave scene out there. And Sean was a photographer in that scene. This is like 2003, maybe. So that's when I met Sean. Got it. And then we kind of met in like a weird dynamic. We met through like multiple people that just kind of correlated into us like going out, like just going out to like, I think what was it, the library, some nightclub and like. Yeah, that was because of Stefan. I don't think either one of us really liked each other, but I don't think it was for any reason, like any specific, like logical reason. I just remember like petty things. And that was like, yeah, just like, oh, I've already based an opinion about this guy. He's a douche. Yeah. I'm not going to talk to him. Right, right. I'll be honest with you. I was jealous of you and just kind of like low key insecure because like, I was new to the group. I worked at a bar and a couple of my coworkers were people that you knew. And I mean, these are people you went to high school with. So like you're Andy, like you're the Andy. And I'm just like this new guy. So and I remember like the first few times I had hung out with them and whatnot, because I had worked at that bar for maybe like maybe a month or two before I, they ever invited me to hang out. And when I finally hung out with them, like I had kept hearing about you, but you were never there. We had a Halloween party at the bar one time and you showed up like Captain Jack Sparrow. Oh, yeah. I still have that. That's all I remember. But like, I don't I remember like you from a distance, but I don't remember interacting with you, if that makes sense, because I was obviously working and it was fucking busy. True. But I was say the first actual meeting, like hanging out, hanging out was the library. Yeah. And uh, it was me, you, Stefan. And we went out um, in his parents Audi wagon yeah the little a6 the green one yeah yeah and uh that's when I met Tommy G for the first time oh yeah oh yeah library was a whole that was a it was neat inside but then you walk outside and you realize where you're at in Sacramento and you're just like mm, I probably shouldn't be here I'm gonna go back inside yeah this is not where you should put a white uh, or a, a nightclub yeah <laughs> nice um <laughs> mm. You used to DJ too, right? Or still do? Or, or is that like a... Yeah, um, I, I don't anymore. I have no time for hobbies anymore. I'm so busy with just life and work. And What do you mean? Let's put a shameless plug in there. What's your latest and greatest... Um, I don't want to say accomplishment because it's ongoing. So Okay, so a couple of years ago, 
I think it's about two years at this point. Um, it'll be actually, I think it's April. It'll be two years. You were streaming pretty heavily on Twitch and I was starting to build a computer. I think I, the original intention was to build an editing computer for my wife for video. Okay. And so I built an editing computer, but it just happened to play games really well. So I was, I was like, well, I, I might as well download some games. So I think I've got like Apex and a couple other things. And then you're like, yeah, you should try streaming. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. And then I was telling my wife about you streaming. And then she made a comment. She's like, oh, you should try that. And I literally, as soon as she said that, I walked into the room where the computer's at. I sat down. I downloaded, like I started researching. And I was like, oh, well, the wife gave me the green light. So I guess it's going to happen. So now let's invest our entire savings in <laughs> computer parts. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it started out with streaming and then... Uh, Right before the pandemic hit, I kind of took a hiatus from it. And then during the majority of the first year of the pandemic, I didn't stream at all. I was still playing games and whatnot. I just, I don't know why I stopped streaming. It's probably the dumbest thing imaginable because streaming really took off during that time for a lot of people because a lot of people are just sitting at home. So stuck in quarantine. It, yeah. Yeah. It probably would have been good for the brand and whatnot, but uh, you know, whatever. I took a, a break. And then when I got back into it, uh, I kind of went uh, full force. This was, again, maybe eight months ago or something like that. And uh, I was just really enjoying it. I like video and I like audio. So I like those aspects of streaming, like just having a clean, good sounding, good looking setup. And then, you know, while you're playing games, it's just like just playing games sometimes can be a little um, monotonous. But, you know, throwing those other dynamics in definitely spices it up a little bit. So, um, yeah, I was streaming for a while and I started to get some OK numbers. An organization at that time who will remain nameless uh, took notice of me. Nice. I ended up joining that organization. It was short lived. It was a newer org. It had some really bad management, i.e. the CEO of the organization, the guy who owned the organization kind of had his head up his ass. But the people that were on staff, I ended up getting brought on staff, but the people that were on staff in the organization were um, awesome and uh, made some pretty solid friendships. Uh, a lot of them were prior military. Uh, like, actually, I think I think every single one of them was prior service military or still currently in. And um, right. we decided uh, to break away and start our own thing. So yeah, we actually officially launched our organization on the 27th of January, but it had been in the works for a few months planning and building a stream team and getting competitive teams together and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, there's a, an organization by the name of Umbra Collective, and I am the chief operating officer of Umbra Collective. I'll throw a link down in the description when this uploads. So you developed this organization while having a family and having to raise a, how old is she now? She's three. Three? It'll be four. Yeah, four in May. That's crazy. That's crazy. So raising a family, and then you have a full-time job on top of that. Yeah. And yeah. Then, yeah. A very stressful one that takes a lot of time, so. I completely believe it. And then on top of that, you're designing and helping develop and build this organization. That's insane. Like the time management alone in that is just sounds tiring. Yeah. I'll be honest. The last couple of months, I've kind of stepped away from streaming specifically for that. A lot of my, I didn't stream super often. It was basically a Friday and Saturday night guy and a Sunday afternoon, Saturday afternoon, like real short daytime streams. One of the compromises I made after the, you know, the computer was built and whatnot is, you know, I, I won't interfere with my family time. Smart. So, you know, I, I don't game during the week. I don't stream during the week. I try to keep, you know, work at work. And when I come home, it, that's my family life. So I, I spend time with my wife and my kid. My kid goes to sleep and I might work on, I don't know, some graphics here and there, or, you know, brainstorm some ideas or whatnot or, you know, who knows. But um, I try to keep the organization stuff to its its time limits, which is difficult. How dare you be a good father? Well, that's the thing, too, is that, you know, one of the, the CEO said something when we first started the organization, and, and uh, it's something that's always stuck with me, and it's, it's business is 24 hours. So regardless of, you know, what your standard operating hours are, like, you're always business-minded. There's always something going on in your head. So there's definitely a balancing act there of making sure that when I'm with my wife, I'm focusing on my wife and I'm giving her my complete attention, which I'm not the greatest at at all times. But, you know, it's definitely a, a work in progress, but something I'm getting better at. OK, the organization's grown relatively quickly, you know, between staff and streamers and uh, competitive players and whatnot. There's, you know, a nearing, I don't know, 40 people in the org at this point. So wow. either not necessarily employees, but like, you know, co-workers and things like that. So it's like there's definitely a um, it definitely is a job outside of my actual career. And you guys have like a Twitter, a Twitch channel, 
uh, YouTube? YouTube exists. It's pretty dead right now. So we have a website. We have a Twitter, which is probably our most active social. And then we have an Instagram that's semi-active. But the point of the Instagram is because we're also doing clothing as well. So it's it's like, a I guess, would be branded a quote-unquote esports and lifestyle organization. Got it. Okay, yeah. The Instagram is going to be primarily the you know clothing and merch and things like that. Got it. And then there's a Twitch, but we've only streamed from it a handful of times. So there's like 1,100 followers on it because we did a pretty big giveaway and it it boosted that a lot so we'll hit affiliate probably in like a week or so dare i say what did you guys uh give at the giveaway first prize was a um evga g-force rtx 3080 for the win three that's ridiculous yeah so it's kind of a unicorn card and um we happened to basically one of the guys in the organization who already has a 3090 was on a, a waiting list for evga and he got the email saying you've got 24 hours to buy this and the organization was like do it and so yeah we the org purchased it at uh, MSRP, which is unheard of. Right. And then, you know, we gave it away. So, <laughs> And that's just all graphics cards in general. For those who don't know, with that whole chip shortage and the cost of cars going up and just the value of everything just raising so much, graphics cards are on that list of almost impossible to find. Every now and then you can hop into like a micro center and you can like buy one at retail, but... I mean, you're limited. Yeah, that's like a right place at the right time kind of thing. Yeah, I've bought a couple and I've like, you know, obviously given them to friends or not given them, but like sold them back at like what I paid for them or whatever, just for friends that were making builds or whatever for streaming, gaming, whatever they want to do. Yeah, a good friend of mine, he, um, he's been wanting to build a PC for, I don't know, six or seven months now. And I, it's the joke has been like, yeah, good luck, you know? Right. Don't even worry about buying anything else. Find you a GPU first. And once you have a GPU in your hands, then we can talk building the rest of the computer. I would say you got to the point where he um he just bought a pre-built because that's almost one of the only ways you can get them now. People get mad at me for saying this all the time, but Costco. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, there's some decent stuff on there, even in store. I mean, it could use some cable remanagement, but aside from that, the, the specs are good. Yeah. They had one that was um $1,300 or something like that. And it has 3060 Ti in it. I mean, just buying that. Even if you were a right. dick and you wanted to like flip it for scalp cost, you'd make your money back almost instantly. Oh yeah, just on the GPU, you can pull the GPU out, keep the computer, and and sell the GPU. It's it's insane, dude. Yeah, it's such a dick thing to do. Oh yeah, I understand money's money, you know, business business, but come on, man. <laughs> I bought my graphics card off of a scalper. Actually, it was the last day that I saw Roman. It was the the day I picked up this Go XLR from him. So I met up with him first, and then I literally was down in San Diego, turned around and drove 30 minutes south and met up with a guy in a parking lot at a bank and bought a 3090 Founders Edition. Jesus, and was, was he wearing a trench I think, coat? No, no. It was actually shockingly a good experience, but I, I almost threw up in the parking lot when I handed him the money, and I'm just like, I mean, it was in a sealed box and everything, but it's just like, okay. So I'm like, would you mind if I open this in front of you? He's like, yeah, go for it. I mean, if you, you got the money in your hand. So I opened it and I'm like, okay, I've, I've now verified that this is actually a 3090 and not a brick. Right. I, I still wasn't at ease. And I was like, until this is home in my computer and boots up and runs and I can do a burn-in test and it doesn't fail on me, I don't feel confident. Yeah, I kind of did the same thing. So when the whole like thing started, like when the cards first got released, like the 30 series cards got released. I found a guy on Facebook Marketplace who, and it was completely random. I was living in Maryland and I was like, hey man, like I see you got a 3070. You're only charging like, I think it was like 20 or $30 over MSRP. And he was like, yeah, I ordered two. And I was like, dude, this sounds like a scam, but you're only like 20 minutes away. So, uh, and uh, still using the card. (laughs) I'm like, fuck it. So fun scalper uh, story. My cousin in Sacramento wanted to buy a PS5 for his stepson. Oh, no. And so he hits me up after the fact. So he calls me one day and he's just like, bro, I got to talk to you. I'm like, what's up? And he's just like, so I found this person on Facebook Marketplace and they got a PS5 and they said that they have it and blah, blah, blah. And they, they sent me a box or a picture of the box. And it's the Spider or the Miles Morales edition and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, so what's the deal? And he's like, well, I want to set up a time to go meet with them. They're telling me that they'll meet in a parking lot at a police station. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, but the ad was in Sacramento. Oh, it was Craigslist, not Facebook Marketplace. The ad was in Sacramento. But when they sent me their address, it's like five hours away. And I'm like, okay, so are you going to drive five hours to get it? He's like, no. He said that he would mail it to me if I just sent him the money, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, you didn't send the money, did you? And he's like, let me finish. And I'm like, you sent him the money. Oh, no. Yeah. So basically, he starts sending me screenshots. And so he's like, the person was like, well, I'll mail it out. So send me your name and your address. I'll mail it out. 
and then I'll send you the tracking number. And when I send you the tracking number, you can send me the money. And I'm sitting there going like, there's no fucking way. There's no way that they did that because that basically you could just ghost them at that point and it's already in the mail. So they send him a tracking number, but they blacked out like the last few digits and smart. And they're like, we'll also, we use, once you send me the money, I'll send you all the, the, uh, the tracking number. I'm like, at this point, it doesn't matter. Like if you don't send the money, it's already in route. You know what I mean? It set it, the tracking number that they sent the screenshot of was like off the app and it stated that it was at the post office already. I'm like, there's no getting it back. Right. So he sends the money and they're, he's like, all right, you can send me the rest of the tracking number. And then they ghost him and then he calls him and they block him. And then he calls from his work number and they answer. And then he tries to uh, have a conversation with them and they hang up and they block his work number. So now he's, that's when he called me. He's freaking out. I'm like, dude, you got scammed. Like you straight up got played. I think he paid the guy like $700 through PayPal. And I'm like, tell me you didn't send it friends and family. He's like, I did. Oh man. And I'm like, bro, you lost your, your money's gone. Like you're not getting that back. And he's just like, no way. And I'm like, that's why they have you send it friends and family because it's not a, like a product purchase. So there's no way for you to get your money back. He's like, he, dude, he was heartbroken. Oh man. PayPal has a buyer's protection now for friends and family. Oh really? Yeah. So well, he called PayPal. They told him straight up. They're just like, yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. This, this is why when you go to click on friends and family, it gives you a warning stating you're make sure you're not buying goods and services because there's no protection. So he ended up filing a, like a, a fraudulent claim charge with his credit card company. And I guess they gave him his money back. Okay. So the only person that really gets burned in this whole transaction would be PayPal. Right. Um, right. But uh, yeah, I, I felt super bad. I mean, obviously he got his money back, so it's no harm, no foul other than the stress. But then I started showing my wife the photos that he was texting me and she's like, starts zooming in. She's like, oh, they photoshopped his name in there. Like, that's not even, it's not even the same font. And I like started looking at it and I'm like, dude, you're right. I'm like, so all they did was they screenshotted some other package that had been shipped, blocked out the last few digits so that you couldn't put that tracking number in to verify that that package had already been delivered. And then they just photoshopped his name over whatever other name was there. I was like, damn. Damn. And your wife's like a photography wizard too. So yeah, yeah. Whatever the female version of a wizard is. A witch? Uh, That's not right. I think it might be. Is it? She's a, a photo witch. A photo. <laughs> I'm not calling your wife a witch. <laughs> Babe, I'm sorry. I'm putting it out in the universe. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I think she would go with wizard. Wizard? Yeah, I think she'd be okay with that. As long as we're not talking about sleeve of wizard. Yeah. <laughs> Good. You brought it up, not me. <laughs> so a little while back, I believe it was the first episode, I had made a quick mention about pooping my pants. And you reached out to me and you were like, I want to be there for that. Let's talk. Yeah. Well, all right. There was two instances. The first one was in Sacramento. I used to work at Firestone. Uh, I was at Greenback and Sunrise? The one right by the mall, the back end of the mall. Yeah, the one right by Sunrise Mall. So uh, I was a general service tech there, and uh, I was just kind of, you know, riding my own coattails, you know, making money, being successful. I'm not too sure why, but I was driving uh, my oldest brother's two-door Tahoe, and I used to see him drive around with his foot up on the vent, like his left foot up on the vent. <laughs> 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 you know, that seems comfortable. Well, the whole night previously, I had been out drinking. Chances are it was with you, to be completely honest. Entirely possible. I want to say maybe this was a Wednesday, so we probably went to Powerhouse on Tuesday or Gutter Club or any one of those. All of the above. Right. So I go home on my on my lunch break because I just moved back in with my parents. And this is right after I moved out of the Honeycutt house. So I'm like okay. back home with my parents, like five miles from where Firestone was. So I'm, I'm driving home. I go home and eat. I have this like, I don't know, sandwich and, you know, whatever. Put some shit in my stomach. I'm driving back to work. My stomach like starts growling. And I'm like, I drank a lot of beer last night. Like, I understand. Like, I get it. Just let me get back to work. So I'm stuck in traffic on Sunrise Boulevard. My foot up on the vent, stuck in traffic. And then my stomach growls. And I go to do the, like the one cheek sneak, you know, where you just kind of like lean to the side to let a fart out because it's like, you know, caught in there. It was not a fart. I shit my pants. In my full oh. Cintas uniform. <laughs> red. Oh, uh, uh, was it a red shirt? No, it was blue and gray. I don't know. It was blue and gray and red or something like that. And it just, it stunk. You know, like beer shit smells like? Oh, yeah. And it was just like encapsulated in this Tahoe. And like he had like cloth seats that were like super plush. And I'm like, I, <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty sure I just ruined this man's Tahoe. 
So I, <laughs> I ended up turning around, driving back to my parents' house because I had like extra uniforms and stuff at the house. And uh, I like had to call work and I'm like, hey, I had like a minor emergency in traffic. Uh, I had to like turn around. I'm going to be like 15 minutes late coming back from lunch. And I had to go home and no bullshit shower, like scrub everything. Just this and the smell of like just after drinking shits pretty much just ruined my brother's car. So the smell of just after drinking shits has just now immersed this man's Tahoe and he must bask in my glorious scent ever, <laughs> every time he gets into the car now. Does he know this? Did you tell him? I don't know. He'll probably listen to this and he'll probably figure it out. Uh, we don't have that car anymore though. <laughs> we ended up giving it to my dad <laughs> or he did. Yeesh. Yeah. So after I pooped in it, made its way down the family line. Maybe it was my dad's at that point too. I'm not too sure. Timeline's a little weird. So that was the first time. The second time was this might be one it's, of it's just even worse. It's uh I'll just preface where we were. We were in Dubai on deployment. And when you're underway for a pretty long time in the Navy, like your stomach gets used to the food. It's shitty. And you just I don't know, you at first like you're like, oh this food tastes like shit, you know, it's not that great. But then like your stomach starts to like kind of get used to the nutrients that it's pulling out of it or whatever nutrients there were. But that's what your your body's accustomed to. Then you pull into a port and all of a sudden you eat food that, you know, has seasonings and different flavors. And then if you're overseas, the beef isn't exactly beef all the time. And, you know, the meat's a little bit different. So we pull in. Our Liberty Group goes to uh, this really nice, I think it's called On the Rock or or On the Slab something like that in uh, the Mall of Emirates. And they basically bring you out a, a hot griddle rock and you order meats or whatever. And then, you know, it comes out on this and it cooks, you know, a little bit more in front of you and so on and so forth. We had been underway for, I want to say about 70 something days, 72, I want to say is the pretty close to accurate number. And so my stomach after eating all of this like red meat, which already doesn't agree with my stomach to begin with, I'm not too sure why. And then a couple 40 ounce um, Stella's and a couple shots of Crown, just letting loose, having a good time or whatever. So that's the food portion. Then we're in the mall. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy a suit. So I go into H&M and I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to buy this nice three piece suit for going out. And uh, everybody's groups kind of split up from there. So I had my Liberty group, which consisted of three other people, three other guys. And then everybody else just kind of went and did their own thing. So the whole time I'm standing in H&M, I'm like doing the pee pee dance in line, like waiting to pay for my shit. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to I'm going to die. So I'm starting to sweat and I'm like, oh, crap, I have to poop. And I was probably like four or five people in front of me and they're kind of taking their sweet ass time buying these uh, whatever they were buying. And <laughs> I remember getting up to the register to pay. The lady was just like, are you OK? And I'm like, I have to poop so bad. Can you please hurry this along? Like, I have to go. And she was like, oh, OK. Yeah, sure. No problem. So I'm frantically paying for this. She's bagging it off. I'm like, don't even just throw it in the bag. Don't fold it. You know how H&M's like, oh, let me fold each individual item of clothing. Like, just throw it in the bag. Yeah. I don't care. Just throw it in the bag. So she throws everything in the bag. I bought shoes, shirt, suit, all that stuff. So I walk across like the mall, find the closest bathroom. And I'm standing at the urinal because my stomach subsided. I just realized that I had to pee really bad. And I, I think that's where the sweating was come from. So I'm standing at this urinal peeing and I like let out a little fart and that fart turned into a massive diarrhea and it just whooshed. You know that sound when like water overflows in a bathtub? <laughs> it was a lot like that. So I'm like, oh shit. So I'm like scrounging. I'm like a shit all over my shoes. So I run to like the little stall like right next to it and in the Mall of Emirates, the stalls are pretty secluded. They're pretty sealed off they're concrete they're not like the thin metal walls that we have in america so i'm like dude <laughs> and i finally make it to the toilet and i'm just like you know assessing the battle damage you know <laughs> and i'm like how much shit do i have i pooped all over my vans which they were like custom suede and like they were black and blue they were so nice and i think they were maybe like six months old completely covered in shit mm. completely covered in shit my shorts that I was wearing, because it's, you know, 100 and God knows whatever, completely covered in shit. Underwear, shit. Shirt, shirt was okay. Shirt was the only uh, was the only redeemable item that I had. And so each one of those stalls, they have the little bidet sprayer that you can, like, that's a, a hose, basically. And so I'm practically taking a shower in the stall in the Mall of Emirates with this bag of H&M suit items, like, just kind of thrown in there. And I walk out in a 
bottom of a suit, no underwear, dress shoes, and a Rebel 8 t-shirt. And I'm just walking around the Mall of Emirates like that, no big deal. And I like, before anybody even realized what happened, I took all those shitty clothes, <laughs> rolled them up into a ball, found the closest like public trash can, you know, the ones in the middle of the mall that like everybody throws all their stuff in. And I just shoved all that shit in there and like sped walked. I just hurried, hurried, hurried away. Jeez. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, I really just shit my pants in the middle of a very expensive mall. Like all the floors are like, they look like marble. Maybe they are. I'm not too sure. But everything in there is like super nice. And then we get to our hotel, which uh, was in Media City. It was the Media One Hotel in Media City. And all my Liberty buddies have like backpacks on and they're wearing shorts and t-shirts and stuff because it's hot. You know, the sun's out. It's, it's hot. And I roll up in a t-shirt and half a suit. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll check in. So I check in. Everybody gets their, like, uh, their, what do you, what do you call it? Like, check-in sheet, basically, that, like, shows how much the room is, how many nights they're staying, and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's, like, it'll say their name, and it'll be, like, USO, and it'll say, like, United States or whatever country, like, is associated. And I get mine, and I'm like, why does mine say fucking Great Britain? <laughs> I'm like, What? I'm like, is it because I'm wearing like a skinny suit or whatever, like half a skinny suit? <laughs> like, how do you get Great Britain out of it? I'm checking in with the exact same people. <laughs> like, how? How? It's like Andrew Lane, USO, Great Britain. You looked mad European. I had to have. And I could still smell poop, too. So I'm just like, <laughs> awesome. I have this. It's not a theory. This is a reality. I'm going to put it on the record here. Okay. You never ask a man if he shit himself as an adult because the answer is always going to be yes. <laughs> and if you ask him if he has, he may lie. But if you assume that he has, he'll just tell you the story. Yeah. So it's never like, hey, have you ever shit yourself? It's like, dude, when you shit yourself, what happened? <laughs> I think the best part about that is I have go-to stories, <laughs> but also... My theory is this. So people who've been in the military are now desensitized, for the most part, to puke, blood, and shit. Yeah. Like, before you join, you're like, oh, shit, like, I puked all over, like, the, you know, I got too drunk and puked down the stairs or whatever. But, like, some people are like, ew, that's gross. And you're like, yeah, I don't really fucking care. Or, like, you'll somebody will be, like, pouring blood out of their hand because they, like, cut it on, like, a barbed wire fence when they're, you know, <laughs> stealing car parts or whatever. I mean, <laughs> whatever. But, like, you don't bat an eye. No. Or, like, pooping in public places. You're like, hey, I got to go to this rest stop real quick So I'm going to go take a shit. Oh, 100%. There's no shame. If I, the people that can't poop in public, I feel bad for those people. I have no issues with that. None. No. Nah. If I'm pooping, I'm at home. Yeah, honestly, dude, I don't think that was military. I think that was working in bars. Oh, yeah. Okay, I could see that. Man. Okay, so I remember the first body shop I worked at. One time I was sitting up front and I thought I had to fart and I was wrong. <laughs> and it wasn't like explosive or anything like that. It was like a little shit came out and it touched cotton. But like, I'm definitely not going to have shitty poop, wet cotton touching my cheeks for the rest of the day. So I go back to the bathroom and I remember like pulling my pants down and like pulling my underwear down to like just to see how bad the damage is and i'm like yeah i can't wear these <laughs> but at the same time i'm too lazy to take my shoes and my socks and my pants off so i just decide well i'm gonna rip my underwear off so i hulk tear my boxer briefs off of my body but i can't rip through the elastic band because i'm a bitch <laughs> <laughs> so for the rest of the day I proceeded to walk around commando, but still wearing the elastic waistband. <laughs> you, why didn't you just go over the shoulders? I, you know what? It's the funny part is as I'm telling you the story, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like I could have just pulled it over my, the top of me. <laughs> it totally did not do that. Didn't even think about it then. It happens. Yeah. There was one time where I, um, it was New Year's. No, I'm sorry. It was St. Patty's Day. The best. And this was uh, when Jesse opened up Republic in downtown Sac. Okay. Yeah, I visited shortly, shortly after it opened. So I go down there on New Year's Eve and it's like D-Rock was working there at the time, but he had like the night off. So it was like, let's go down there. Like, this is what we need. So we're, we're, our plan is to start there and then just basically peruse all of like downtown and midtown. So it's like me. I want to say it was Derek, Vic. And one other random person. So the, the squad. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Of course, I go up and thanks to Andy Lane. That's me. I'm a, I'm a Jaeger guy. Oh, God. <laughs> I blame you for that. Ah, my bad. So I order a um, 
a Jaeger Red Bull on the rocks. A little sippy drink, right? Okay. And you know, sometimes you go to drink and you take one sip of alcohol and as soon as it hits your mouth, you're just like, nope. Absolutely. Like drinking's not going to happen today. And it's St. Patty's Day. So I'm like, no, like I'm like, I'm trying to talk myself out of it. So I try to take like a second and third sip. And I'm like, dude, I end up throwing the drink away. I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I guess I'm not drinking tonight. And I don't know why. But it just it wasn't going to happen. You wasted Jägermeister. I'm ashamed. Yeah. So I want to say like maybe 20, 30 minutes later, the universe reveals itself as to why I'm not supposed to be drinking alcohol. And I just get the like most awful bubble guts ever. And I'm like, dude, this is not going to be good. And we get down there. I want to say it's not even eight o'clock yet. Like it's still pretty early, but it's St. Paddy's Day and people are absolute fucking animals. And on St. Paddy's Day, people start drinking at like 8 a.m. So by the time it's, you know, 7 p.m. at a bar, like that bar has been open for many hours and it's seen lots of foot traffic. So I end up venturing into the bathroom and this is normally a pretty clean establishment. Like this is a nice bar. And the bathroom looks like a fucking bomb went off in there. There's just like shit everywhere. (laughs) This particular bathroom has two urinals and one stall. So I'm waiting in line with bubble guts to get into the stall. Guy comes out. He goes to wash his hands. I close the stall behind me. It's a handicap style stall. Okay. I look and it's just the floor, the walls, the seat, the entire toilet is just covered in piss. Like for the last 12 hours, people have just been peeing on the toilet instead of in the toilet. Classy. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I have to shit myself. I'm like... (laughs) Do you hover? But I'm not, my cheeks are not touching that toilet. And like, <laughs> there's no amount of like um, toilet paper or a toilet, um, what are the ass gaskets that are going to save you from this? Like, this is an absolute abomination. I thought it was the only one that called him that. No. So, you know how the handicapped stalls have the, the rails bolted to the wall? Yeah. So, I proceed to lower my pants to around my ankles, but just above the ankles so that I could spread my legs enough to keep tension on the pants so that the (laughs) cloth doesn't touch the piss and toilet paper covered floor. I proceed to hold on to the pole on the wall with both my hands and basically hover over the toilet. And my thought is I'm just going to poop into the toilet with, I don't know, maybe three inches or so of space between the toilet seat and my ass. Ooh, that's, that's risky. Wrong. So remember earlier when I asked you if that alcohol poop had like the cork and then all of a sudden you just turned into paint? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I proceeded to shit all over the toilet seat. (laughs) So I've been sitting here looking at this toilet thinking in my head, I fucking hate every single person that's been in this bar today. And I just took everything that was there and turned it up to 11. So you basically just spray farted all over the toilet. That is 100% what I did. (laughs) It gets better. So then I'm like, okay, well, there's not much I can do about that. Maybe I'll try to clean it up a little bit. It is my own poop, you know, whatever, not a big deal. So I look down to the toilet paper dispenser so I can A, wipe my ass and B, start to clean up my mess. There is nothing in your, there's no toilet paper. Oh, okay. So with my pants around my ankles and zero shame, I unlock the stall. I walk into the bathroom. A guy goes to walk into the stall behind me and I say, nah, uh bro, you don't want to go in there. I walk over to the paper towel dispenser. I just start ripping paper towels, like as much paper towels out of it as I can. I walk back into the stall and my pants are still around my ankles. So ass cheeks, dong, fully hung. There's probably six dudes in the bathroom looking at me like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> Why are his pants around his ankles? I walk back into the bathroom. I proceed to first wipe my ass because the, I care about my cheeks more than I care about this stall. Right. And then I low-key wiped the shit off the seat and just kind of flushed it. But at that point, all I did was clog the toilet with the fucking paper towels. You did them a favor. And then I, I came out and I washed my hands. Because I'm a gentleman. <laughs> After all that. <laughs> and I walked into the bar. I grabbed D and I'm like, hey, bro, who's it that handles the bathroom work here? Because <laughs> I need to apologize for them and buy them a drink. Oh, He's like, oh, it's Albert. I'm like, oh, man. And Albert's like one of the boys. I'm like, I feel absolutely. T-. I was like, yo, Bert. He's like, what? I'm like, sorry, bro. Yeah. I was like, I owe you. Like next time we go out drinking, like that night's on me because you got a mess in the bathroom. You got to go clean up. And a big majority of it is me. And he's just like, he looks at me like with the oh fuck face and like, God damn it. I hate you. And then, yeah, you're like 
sorry. <laughs> yeah, my bad, yeah. I looked at D at that point. I was like, bro, like we got to go to another bar. Like I'm, <laughs> <laughs> we got to go destroy another bathroom. Yeah, I can't be here for like, if I get bubble guts again, I'm not going back. I'm not repeating this mistake. Oh man. I did that in uh, Japan. We went to, so I have a dairy problem with my stomach. Well, my stomach's fucked anyway, but I have a dairy problem. Ulcer, et cetera. So any milk-based product, I'm fucked. Well, in Japan, there's this place called Red Door Ramen that's like pretty close to the haunch, which is like a pretty well-known hangout spot for the Navy because it's like right across the street from Yakuska Base. Mm -hmm. And so we go get ramen and, you know, it's delicious. It's Japan, you know, it's fantastic. And I'm like, damn, that was really good. You know, what was in that? Because I, my buddy just kind of like recommended something. He's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. He starts reading off the ingredients like bamboo shoots and a little bit of pork. I'm like, ah, I'll be fine, whatever. He's like, condensed milk. I'm like, what the fuck you mean condensed milk? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, that's what gives it that like sweet flavor. I'm like, God damn it. And I know we're going out drinking after this. <laughs> so we go into the haunch and like the hangout spot for the ship was uh, this like country Western bar. They had like pool tables and they had like habusaki, which is like the cobra inside the bottle. Gotcha. And 10 minutes after being there, I have like, you know, two, three beers. I'm like, damn, dude, I have to shit. And there's only two bathrooms. So it's like a pretty big spot, but there's only like two bathrooms and like one person per bathroom. And I like, I'm like, dude, my stomach's like, it's rumbling. So I go in the bathroom and I'm in there for like 40 minutes, like just constantly shitting. And I'm like, whoever comes in here after me, like I didn't destroy the bathroom. I was like super nice about it. But I was like, man, I hate shitting at bars because there's like people banging on the door. They're like, hey, hurry up in there. And I'm like, I'm shitting. You want me to just rush it out? Let me enjoy myself. <laughs> it was so bad, though. And I'm like, yep, all right. Now I definitely know I'm lactose intolerant. Got it. I never had a, a lactose issue as a child or as a teen. And one night when I was 17, I went to a youth group that I was invited to by a friend. And the youth group, trying to be like edgy, like in appeal to you know, our generation of teenagers. They give you Kool-Aid? No, they had this contest where it was like, oh, we're going to see who can drink a, a gallon of cold milk the fastest without throwing up. And I'm like, this is at a church, bro. Okay. So they have multiple gallons of whole milk cold. <laughs> they bring in trash cans, 55-gallon trash cans for you to stand around because throwing up is going to be inevitable. Like, they know this is going to happen. So I'm like, well... Let's make a good first impression. So I'm like, I'll compete. Oh, my God. I ended up drinking maybe about three quarters of a gallon of milk in, I don't know, maybe a 10-minute span. And I'm like, I can't finish this, and I don't want to throw up. <laughs> so I drink three quarters of a gallon of milk, and that night, I'm sitting there with my friend that invited me, and this is maybe like a 20 to 25-minute walk from my house. So it's not super far, but there is some hills and whatnot. So we're waiting for my parents to come pick us up. And my parents, we're like there for like maybe an hour after it's over, and I'm like, we got to go. Like, <laughs> where the fuck are my parents at? You know, so, right. I was like, well, we're not far from home. Let's just walk, you know? And this is like before cell phones were a thing. Like I, cell phones existed. You just, when you were 17 years old at that time, you did not have one. 25 cents a text message. I don't even think texting existed to be honest with you. Oh, okay. I don't think that was a thing yet. I want to say it was like, you definitely paid per minute. And it was like, you paid probably a hundred dollars a month and you got like 60 anytime minutes and maybe like oh. 200 nights and weekends. Gotcha. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Cell phones were like a, um, you had one, but it was always an emergency if you were using it and only then. Right. So anyways, we're walking home and, um, we're walking and the town that we're in is a town in San Diego called Benita. And it is a, um, there's a lot of equestrians there. Okay. A lot of people that own horses and whatnot. So horses. the particular part of the town we're walking in doesn't have sidewalks. And so we're walking on the side of the road to this main street that turns right and goes up a hill into Paradise Hills where I live. And um, we hit this corner house and I'm like talking to my best friend whose name was Andrew. And I was like, Drew, I got to poop, bro. And he's just like, well, we're almost home. I'm like, I, there's no waiting. Like this is coming now. So I hopped these people's fence. They had like a, um, oh no, like a white kind of like horse fence, wooden fence around their property. And there's like a look, like a little, like kind of a gully in their front yard. Okay. And I'm like basically shitting in this stream, like bad lactose poops into this stream. <laughs> and I have nothing. I obviously don't have toilet paper because I don't walk around with toilet paper on me because I'm not a fucking maniac. But I got youth group flyers, so I wiped my ass with, like, the youth group flyer from church. It had, like, notes on it and stuff. 
And I left it in these people's front yard. That is savage. So I don't know if they like woke up, you know, a couple of days later and realized that their front yard smelled like human feces. And there was like <laughs> shitty church flyers just sitting in their creek, like floating. Like, Oh, so. <laughs> You see why I wanted to be on the poop episode? Yeah, no, absolutely. Right before you started off with that, I mentioned my brother's name, Adam. He's my middle brother. We're two years apart. Great guy. I know he's going to listen to this or hear about this. Love you, Adam. <laughs> yeah, right? The story's been told countless amounts of time, and he, I don't know if it's like embarrassment or what, but so we're kids. We're probably 10, 12, something like that, maybe a little younger, and Adam played soccer. He played soccer on like a youth league. I think it was called Arsenal or something like that. Maybe it was for Rosemont. Okay. I think they practice at Einstein sometimes and whatever, uh, middle school. So Adam, after there's like a Saturday after the game, they get like orange slices and, you know, apple juice, Capri Suns and all that stuff, right? Stuff from when you're a kid. Adam's like pounding these like apple juices. And we have this like Chevy Astro van, like the old Chevy Astro, the greatest car ever. Uh, you had another van that was pretty great too. Another episode for that one. Um, <laughs> and uh, Adam's like, dude, my stomach hurts. You know, like he's in the car and he like <laughs> shits his pants in the car, in like the back seat, not the back seat, but like the middle row seat. I don't know if it was my parents or like my oldest brother, but they like fold up a towel, not a towel, but a blanket and like put it under him. <laughs> and he's just shit legs like, <laughs> you know, and he's like a kid and it's like apple juice, like <laughs> liquid shit. And he's like freaking out, dude. He's like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I want to say the shorts were white. <laughs> And so the restaurant that we pulled into, I want to say it was Bradshaw's on, um, was that Mayhew and, uh, or maybe it was Gady, Gady and Mayhew or something like that. It's somewhere around there. And Alex, the Marl's brother goes in there with him and like, <laughs> they're trying to flush Adam's like shorts and underwear and everything down the urinal. They're just like packing the urinal full of his underwear. It's just full of shit underwear, right? Tidy whities because we're a kid in like the 80s, 90s, you know? So, oh my God. And like he just has his like jersey like pulled down. And like I think Alex gave him like a, a hoodie or something to wrap around like his waist. I don't remember too specifically what it was. But like that story has been like around our family for generations now. We're talking, he's 38. This was 26 years ago. And to this day, oh, and Bradshaw's closed. It's something now. It's um like a Perco's or something. But I remember him shitting himself. And like from that point on, like I would just be super cautious around like apple juice. Like if I didn't know I was going to be around a bathroom, I'm like, this has to be a family thing. <laughs> Apple juice is, is an at-home beverage only. It's a fucking devil. That and Jaeger. <laughs> Just pair the two together. All right. I got one more. Yeah. One more. Hit me with it. Okay. So Regan's. Uh, Irish pub. You're more than familiar with this bar. Yeah. Okay. So you know the men's bathroom? You walk in and it's like, and they've remodeled that bathroom a few times, but there's always a shitter, but there's never a stall around it. Yes. It's not like you walk in the bathroom, there's a sink. There's a urinal and there's a shitter, but the bathroom door doesn't lock and the shitter faces the door. So if you <laughs> sit down to poop, there's nothing stopping anyone else from just walking in there and watching you poop. So we're there. It's like it's not a busy night. I want to say it's probably like a random Wednesday or something like that. Okay. And we're drinking. I remember like having to poop bad and I walk back there and I'm like, I'm not. There was a girl there, too, and I, I liked her and I definitely didn't want to go poop in the bathroom and like come out 10 minutes later because it's obvious what you did because the bar is so small that like there's no hiding that. Yeah, you see everything that's going on in there. Yeah. So I walk into the bathroom. I grab <laughs> toilet paper and I wrap it around my hand like probably half of a roll of toilet paper. And then I stick it in my hoodie pocket and I walk out of the bathroom. So I'm really realistically I'm in the bathroom for like 30 seconds. OK. And then I proceed to walk out of the back of the bar to where the, the back patio is and I go out of the gate and I'm looking around the back and the back of the bar is like the backside of a Rite Aid or something like that. Yes. OK. But there's like a drive through right there. So you can't like I'm like, well, I can't poop in the alley because there's people like picking up medications and stuff like that. Nonsense, pussy. So the back side of the alley, there's a fence there. 
So I'm like, I don't know where this fence goes, but I'm jumping it. What's with you and jumping fences? I don't know, bro. <laughs> so I jump over this fence and I'm now in somebody's front yard that basically lives on Orangevale. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in someone's front yard in Orangevale. And I just walk over to their tree and I proceed to spray fart on their tree and wipe my ass <laughs> with the toilet paper that was in my hand. And I leave the toilet paper there. And I'm clean. I'm good. I've pooped. I've, I've wiped. And I jump back over the fence and I proceed to go drink more. <laughs> so if someone woke up the next day or maybe the gardener came to, to mow the lawn or something. But there's human shit all over the tree and definitely toilet paper on the ground. So <laughs> you just leave your mark everywhere. Yeah. If there's karma... For shitting in people's property like i'm fucked oh man it's coming back hard to me it hasn't happened yet but someone in my lifetime will be jumping my fence and pooping in my yard at some point in time oh that's uh, mine's puking if there's karma for puking in someone's yard it's definitely me i'm notorious for that it doesn't matter you had one drink you had a lot of food it doesn't matter you're puking sometime like as soon as you arrive wherever you're going hey we're home all right cool you know it just happens <laughs> But I don't, <laughs> I don't leave my mark, you know, like I don't have toilet paper. I don't have children's youth group flyers <laughs> covered in shit. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I've definitely done that uh, more than a few times. Someone, I don't remember who it was, but when, uh, when Liz and Ayla and I lived together, I remember one time we had a party at her house and I, it's one of those things where like I went to bed before everybody else left. And I remember waking up the next day and our kitchen sink being flooded because somebody puked in the kitchen sink, but they puked on like the side that doesn't have the garbage disposal. Oh yeah. The worst. Yeah. So it's clogged. There's like puke water sitting in the sink that just absolutely smells absolutely terrible. And I was the first person up because I was the first person to go to bed. And I'm like, I, I guess I'm going to clean this because I'm not a bad guy. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, yeah, I just got like a cup and like uh, scooped puke water out of one sink and poured it down the other. Gross, but also hilarious. Yeah, it definitely wasn't my puke. I'm pretty sure it was Joe Bennett's. I'm pretty sure it was Joe Bennett's. That's fair. I hope he's doing all right. But on that note, I think we're going to end it there for today. I don't think anything's going to follow that story. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> But it's always a pleasure, Kenny. Thank you for coming on the show. If you would like to come back, it's an open invitation. Just let me know when. I'm down to chat with you whenever. I miss you, brother. I love you. You're on the other side of the country. We'll part or we'll cross ways again eventually. But uh, I'm glad you're doing well. And I'm super excited about this podcast for you, man. I'm, it's been a blast to listen to. Awesome. I appreciate it, man. I really do. But thank you all for tuning in and listening and making it this far. I hope you enjoyed some of those shit puke stories. And uh, until next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Keep It Moving podcast. Be sure to check us out on Instagram at keepitmoving underscore podcast to keep up with the latest topics. 